Welcome to Trinity on Tap Theology, a podcast series brought to you by Trinity College Queensland, presented by Dr. Victoria Lorimar. Episode 18, Resurrection Hope. The Resurrection of the Body. Humans have spent a lot of time imagining what life after death might look like, or in fact, whether there is life after death. Have you seen the movie from the 90s, What Dreams May Come, starring Robin Williams? In it, the people who find themselves in heaven are able to occupy the bodies of their choice. St. Augustine imagined all people to be resurrected as themselves around the age of 30, after the model of Christ. These are just a couple of examples, but perhaps you've wondered about what life after death will be like too. When it comes to the afterlife, the creed highlights the resurrection of the body. Why this in particular? Well, in the ancient world, it was quite common to think about creation in a dualistic sense. Dualism separates things neatly into good and evil. In the case of Gnosticism, the spirit was seen as good and the body was seen as evil. Gnostics would even go down the route of denying physical pleasures, usually of a dietary or sexual nature. Again, based on this belief that only the soul and spirit mattered, the body needed to be restrained, subdued. This isn't to say that restraint doesn't matter or that fasting doesn't have its purposes, just that Gnostics were excessive in this regard. So what's this got to do with the resurrection? Well, what resurrection tells us is that the body is good. Flesh matters. It's a rejection of a Gnosticism or dualism that sees the spirit or soul alone as holy and needing to escape the evil flesh. And this Gnosticism is not a phenomenon relegated to ancient times either, but is present today in various forms. For example, in certain schools of futurist thinking, the body is seen as a limitation. Remember, I talked about that crazy idea of mind uploading back in episode 9 on the topic of death? Perhaps you've read or watched some cyberpunk, so think the Neuromancer novels by William Gibson, the Blade Runner movies, or the Philip K. Dick book Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep that Blade Runner was adapted from. In this subgenre, the physical body unaugmented by technology, is often dismissed derisively as a meat body, something that ought to be traded up for a better model as soon as possible. But despite this frustration with the limitations of our bodies, we also have the paradoxical tendency as a society to prolong our bodily existence as much as possible. Within the advances of medicine, many people live far longer than previous generations could hope for, but often experience greater physical deterioration and even suffering as a result. So with these attitudes to our present bodies, what kind of existence are we hoping for in the life to come? Now, the writers of the creed certainly had no inkling of the types of technologies that we encounter today, but Christianity's emphasis on the importance of the body is even more important now. The creed declares a belief in the resurrection of the body, and to explain the significance of this, I'm going to turn to some words from N.T. Wright. Wright says that the personal hope for resurrection is located within the larger hope for the renewal of all creation, for God's new heavens and new earth. Take away the bodily resurrection, however, and what are you left with? The development of private spirituality, leading to a disembodied life after death, 
the denial of the goodness of creation, your own body included. If Jesus' resurrection involved the abandoning of his body, Wright says, it would make exactly the wrong metaphorical point. So what does Wright mean about the abandonment of the body making the wrong metaphorical point? Well, a physical resurrection affirms the value of the material creation. The world we live in now won't be abandoned, jettisoned in order to start over again. It matters. A bodily resurrection also says the gigantic no to the dualistic attitudes to the body I already described. It gives a concreteness to our resurrection hope that simply would not exist if we only understood it in vaguely spiritual terms. What kind of resurrection body are we expecting? It's hard to say much about it, except that there's a whole passage in 1 Corinthians where Paul tries to answer this question. You can look up the whole passage. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 35 to 55. But here are some of the key verses. From verse 35. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Fool, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow... You do not sow the body that is to be, but a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. And jumping ahead to verse 42 now. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonour. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a physical body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. And then from verse 51. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all die, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishability and this mortal body must put on immortality. When this perishable body puts on imperishability, and this mortal body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? There's some pretty cryptic stuff in here. So what do we know? We know that we will be changed, that we will be raised in glory, in power, imperishable and immortal. But what's this talk of spiritual bodies? The resurrected Christ had some kind of body. He walked among those he appeared to. He sat and ate food with them. Thomas was able to touch the remnants of his crucifixion wounds. And in Philippians, Paul writes that Christ will transform the body of our humiliation, that it might be conformed to the body of his glory. There was a continuity between Jesus' earthly body and his resurrected body. People recognised him, a trace of his wounds remained. But there was also a radical discontinuity. He was able to disguise his identity from the disciples on the road to Emmaus. He appeared and disappeared through locked doors. Now there's some debate over the stuff that resurrection bodies are made out of. Are they some kind of imperishable version of the flesh and blood bodies we have now? Or perhaps our bodies are transformed into an entirely different substance, a celestial one, even as our form is retained. 
and the arguments get deep into the meaning of some of the original Greek, as well as the meanings and concepts present in Second Temple Judaism, the period in which Paul was writing. But it's reasonable to affirm resurrection bodies as both physical, there was no body in the tomb, and the risen Jesus displayed a physicality, and spiritual. It will not be constrained by the corruptibility of our present flesh, but will be more substantial and powerful. Alistair has a helpful perspective on how we think about the resurrection of the body. I think it means two main things. One is that there's a continuity of identity between me as I am now and as I will be. In other words, even though I very much hope I should be transformed, there is going to be this continuity. And, and you know, the Christian life is about process of transformation. The key point is this process continues like the seed that is sown in the sun that grows. And in doing so, it becomes something that is new and yet something which at the same time is already present in the seed. You see what I'm trying to say? It? To me, it's very important. And it's about, in effect, the, the resurrected me, whatever that means, is going to be me. And that, and, and that means that I am not lost in an ocean of impersonality, that I, me, um, will remain, even though I know I'll be overwhelmed by the vision of God I will see. That's a very important point. But secondly, it's all about, um, in effect, a reassurance that our limitations are going to be overcome. And this is a, a favorite topic amongst medieval theologians who, in effect, saying, look, um, when we look at our bodies, they are frail, they're damaged, we're wounded, we fail in all these ways. But there is this hope that one day we shall be something different. And to me, that is very important. How do we conceive of this? Well, we can't. I mean, our imaginations just fail. And likewise, when Paul uses that analogy of the seed in 1 Corinthians 15, you know, the, his language is struggling. He's saying it's a bit like this, and yet it's not like this, you know, it, but it's helpful. And so for me, the resurrection of the body is saying, where Christ is gone, I shall be. And that's very, very important in the greater presence of God with others. And in some way, it's going to be me who's there saying, I'm so glad to be here. Uh, if you say to me, well, okay, be more precise. I'm going to say, I don't think I can be. What I can say is that's enough. In theology, sometimes you have to just say, stop talking, stop thinking. You're never going to do justice. Just in effect, wait and see. And in the meantime, the worship of the church helps you anticipate what lies ahead. Sorry. Much like we don't know the timing of Christ's return, we don't know exactly what our resurrected bodies will be like. We do know that they will be imperishable and immortal, gloriously resembling the risen Christ. But in some wondrous way, we will remain ourselves as well, as Alistair points out. It's one of those things that we can speculate wildly about, but just won't know until its reality is upon us. What does this mean for how we think about creation? Ben has some helpful insights for us. The creed starts with an affirmation of the goodness of creation. It then proceeds to talk about salvation. Notice that salvation is not about our escape out of the material world. It's about God's descent down into this material world. The word becomes flesh. God becomes human in Jesus Christ. So God affirms and embraces and heals the material creation, doesn't reject and discard it. And then you get to the last part of the creed. What do we look forward to at the end? Not a final escape into a spiritual heaven where we're finally free of the burdens of this embodied life. No, at the end of the creed, we hope 
for the resurrection of the body, a life of the world to come, a life that is still embodied, still physical, still material. This was the major kind of decision that ancient Christians made. It was a decision in favor of this world. Any kind of salvation that we're going to talk about is going to be the salvation of this world, not salvation from this world. The resurrection of Jesus is an act of new creation, foreshadowing what is to come for the whole creation. In this event, death is vanquished, and we'll turn to what that means for everlasting life in the next episode. But as Ben reminds us, it's not about salvation from this world to some other place, but the redemption of this world. This line proclaiming the resurrection of the body is an enduring witness to the goodness of creation, a rejection of any Gnostic understanding that would see flesh and matter as evil, as limitations. As creatures, we are conditioned by finitude, even as we anticipate some kind of glorious transformation a future incorruptible existence. I've spoken a lot about how certain technological hopes differ from Christian expectations of the future, even as both anticipate transcending our present experience. And the resurrection of the body is yet another instance that highlights the contrast. The now but not yet aspect of redemption that we've already spoken of allows us to find joy in our creaturely existence in the present, even as we look forward to more. I'll end here because next episode is going to be quite a long treatment of the life everlasting. But what about you? How have you understood the resurrection of the body? This podcast was brought to you by Trinity College Queensland. Honest answers to tough questions. Visit trinity.qld.edu.au to learn more.